The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed, because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, not only and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the, the more eager to send him, Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died in the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Charles Campbell's going to be preaching for us this morning. Um, I'm thankful for this brother. He's put in a lot of behind-the-scenes work leading up to uh, this morning and even arranging this space for us. He's served us well by uh, leading us in worship, and now he's going to serve us well by preaching the Word. So, brother, can I pray for you real quick? Father, I thank you for Charles. Thank you for the opportunity to serve in this family with him. God, I thank you for saving him. Thank you for the many gifts that you have equipped him with and how he uses those to be a blessing to others, to bring you glory, to advance your kingdom. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower him now, give him clear thoughts, clear words. May you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. And may you, most importantly, Lift your name high through the preaching of your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, it's been a week, hadn't it? It's uh, something else. So, and then uh, this is like this is like uh, deja vu for me. So, uh, I've, I walked in this building for uh, 16 years. So, this is where I worked for. 2000 to 2016, and uh, we actually, I was telling some of the people who've been around, Sarah Clinton and I were talking about this, um, we, this is one of the early spaces that we met in when we first started church planting, so when we walked this morning and started setting up, I was like, 
wow, this feels like 15 years ago. <laughs> so uh, here we are, here we are back in the same space again. So grateful for um, our local state association that was willing to let us do this. Um, and quite honestly, it was, it was kind of a um, sequence of events, really, because uh, whenever we found out our building didn't have power on Friday and that um, Goodwill, they're so used to using their key cards that they literally walked out of the building on Friday and didn't take any keys with them. Um, so they don't have any physical keys to get back in the building. So we're like, okay, so we can't even get in our building and get stuff. And uh, so then I saw First Baptist Rochester, they were without power, and they're like, hey, we're going to meet at the IBSA building. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. I hope they get power back so we can have that space. So that was, the, that was my prayer all Friday because if it wasn't going to be here, it was probably going to be, I don't know, maybe huddled under a pavilion at Washington Park. So um, I know these windows are tinted, but you know what it feels like outside right now, right? You know, so, and you'd be like, no, I'll just stay home this week. So, um, but we've got this great space, and so I'm grateful for that. Hey, this morning, here's what we're going to do. So um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a little person right now, so um, I want you to pull out a piece of paper. So, and um, I want you to draw a big star on that piece of paper, okay? For you, that's, that's the focus of today. What's it look like to shine like a star, okay? All right, so if you're one of these, if you're, if you're a little person, that's your notes for this morning, okay? So get out a piece of paper and put a big star on it, okay? Um, and I want you to listen for the message today. I want you to listen for um, where I talk about being a star, okay? Um, and so when you go home today, I want you to be able to tell your mom and dad, hey, this is what Pastor Charles said when we talked about being a star, what it means to be a star, okay? Um, if you consider yourself a big person, um, here's what we're chasing after today. Here's this idea. The big idea for today is, as believers, we've been given the ability to work out our salvation by God's enabling grace to shine like stars in a dark world. All right? So if you're a little person, think about this for a second. When you go out um, tomorrow night before the fireworks go off, like they're going to go off in our house tomorrow night. So maybe it'll be Tuesday night for you or maybe it'll be tonight for you. But when it starts to get dark, what do you see up in the sky? You see stars because they're really, really bright. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. What's it mean to live our lives in such a way that they can be really, really bright? My new boss, um, my new boss's boss, his name is Tony Maria, and um, Tony's done a lot of writing. And one of the things Tony says about this passage is this. He says, how do we live in light of the truths of the Christian hymn that we, that we talked about last week, that Bella Faye walked us through last week? In the shadow of the cross and before the throne of God, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Give a shining witness to a dark world by not grumbling. Hold out the word of life. Rejoice through sacrificial service. Rooted in the grace of God, anticipating the day of the day, rooted in the grace of God and anticipating the coming day of Christ. That's what we're going to chase after today. What does it look like to live a life like that? When I think about what Paul was doing in this letter, um, like I said last week, Belafay did a great job of showing us that. To be the church, we have to follow Christ's example. 
um, and the example that he laid out for us in, in verses 6 to 11. So if you kind of go back and glance back through 6 to 11, you kind of see that. The other thing is that we think is that these verses also got converted into kind of an early hymn of the faith. And so the church probably um, sang these songs, kind of like some of the worship songs that we sing. Um, there's, this, there's this powerful worship song that came out um, about Christ and who he is and, and the humility that he displayed. And then it ends with this, this kind of this glorious chorus. Um, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God the Father. And every knee bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess. Can you just imagine, you know, kind of this just big building of them just seeing that over and over again. That at some day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Not just a few people, but everyone. They were coming out of that. So then, Paul, said, Paul puts this one word in there. I don't, I don't know how you have it in your text, but um, in the ESV, Paul puts this word in there. And it says, therefore. Why is therefore? Well, it's there for a reason, okay? All right, so we're getting ready. He's getting ready to say, hey, we're getting ready to talk about some good stuff. And the cool thing about it is that Paul, Paul so loves these people. These people are such close friends of his that he can't stand just kind of leaving them where they are. He wants to really challenge and encourage them. Um, and so that's what this next little section that we're going to explore today that Paul's doing. He is giving his friends some exhortation and some encouragement um, because he wants them to do well in his journey. When my bride and I, we came and first started dating, this is pre-cell phone days, okay? All right, I know some of you can't imagine that. You, can't, you, you haven't lived on planet Earth long enough to realize that there used to be no cell phones. Um, so back in the day, um, she used to write me letters. Uh, and uh, so she lived here in Springfield. Uh, I was still in Kansas City, and uh, so in our early dating days, um, you know, she, she would write me letters, just let me know how she was doing, ask me how I was doing, um, and I just, I loved, I couldn't wait to get that letter from her. Uh, I love the words of encouragement. I would read it multiple times, you know, so, because the thing too, you gotta remember, when you're in college, like, and there's no cell phone, there's like, one phone on the floor, right? There's one phone on the floor, okay? So there's not even like a, you don't even have like a private phone in your room, okay? If somebody calls, you know, phone rings, hey, is Charles there? Somebody hollers down the hall, hey, Campbell, you here? Your girlfriend's on the phone. I mean, that's, that's how it works, okay? So that's not an overly private way to have, you know, a private conversation. So letters really were how a lot of that happened. Um, so I love the encouragement that she gave me. Um, and to this day, she still will give me cards and drop me notes. And I, and I love to just take those with me. In fact, in my backpack, there's, there's like cards and letters that she gives me. When I'm on the road, I'm traveling, everyone's about to pull one of those out. It just reminds me of her love for me and her encouragement to me. It reminds me of who I am and it reminds me whose I am. I'm hers. That's exactly what Paul's doing right here in this letter. To the Philippians in this section, he's reminding the Philippians who they are in Christ and who they belong to Christ. So we're going to chase after kind of three things. Paul makes three connections in this first little section 
And then he gives us two examples. So the first thing that I want us to look at, look down in verses 12 and 13. Paul says this in verse 12 and 13. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is it my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I love how Paul treats his friends. The very first thing he does is, is he says to them, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. He commends them. He says to them, hey, don't quit going. Keep going. Keep doing a good work here. Keep being obedient. Keep being like what we just talked about um, in the early part of that letter. Do what Christ did. It wasn't flashy. Um, it wasn't this you know, big upfront superstar kind of thing. It was just daily faithfulness. In fact, you, um, Pastor John uses uh, this quote from Zach Eswine all the time. I just want to remind it because it reminded me this morning of what we're talking about here. He says this. Zach says this. Because almost anything in life that truly matters will require you to do small, mostly overlooked things over a long period of time. That's really what Paul's talking about here um, with the Philippians. Just keep doing the little things that you know to do. Um, just keep obeying. Not only when I'm here, but also when I'm absent. Hang in there. Um, the other thing Paul says too, look, look in verse, um, in the middle of verse 12, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for. That's a really critical point, okay? Um, for some of you, uh, you may have grown up in a tradition that said work for. The work for part's already been done. Jesus did that on the cross. In fact, that's what Paul was talking about in the beginning part of this passage when he talked about what Christ did. But the work out part, that, that taking the long view of obedience, just being faithfully regular in your obedience, daily, consistent, doing those little small things one day at a time, that's what Paul is challenging his people to do right here. Because here's the deal. There is no quick fix pill when it comes to daily obedience. There is no quick fix pill when it comes to maturing as a believer. There is no microwave discipleship. It's just faithful, steady, you know. 2019, you guys know, we planted the trees. Every once in a while, you guys ask us, how are the trees doing? They're still there. <laughs> They're still growing. They have a few apples on them this year. There's some of the trees that we planted. I'll be 57 this year. There's some of the trees that we planted that we won't see any fruit from those trees, like an abundant harvest from those fruit from those trees, probably until we're 70. You know? I mean, it's, it's going to take them a while. Um, it's hard for me to, to imagine what 70 feels like, okay? So um, if the Lord allows me to live that long. But, but that's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about discipleship. Right now, you are just planting seeds in your life. You're, you're allowing your roots to go deeper. You're allowing the trunk of your tree just to continue to get bigger. And this year, there might be one apple on your tree. That might be the fruit of, of a years-long process of discipleship for you. There might be one apple on the tree. 
there might be 10 apples on the tree and there's a storm that blows through and knocks six of them off. You know? Now I've only got four. But you just keep growing. And the next year there might be a few more. And the next year there might be a few more. That's what Paul's saying here in the Philippians. Work out your salvation. Be faithful to do the things that you saw Christ do. Do it in fear and trembling. But now here's the deal. Look down at verse 14. Because he doesn't say, or verse 13. He doesn't say to them, it's up to you. Just try harder. Just go faster. Just do more. He doesn't say that in verse 13. What does he say? He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So really, that's, that's that first idea there. God has work. You have work. And guess what? Your work is the result of God's work. Because what God is doing, God is working in the depths of your soul. God is working deep down at the will level. At the heart level. To give you what you need to be faithful in that long view of obedience. He's empowered you with the Holy Spirit to be an obedient to be an obedient follower of Jesus. So you have it within you, not because of you, but because the Father is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, working both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So just let that settle on you for just a second, okay? If you're a believer, if you're one of God's children, you're never alone. No matter the situation or the circumstance, you're never alone. I mean, 12.30 on Thursday, when that, whatever you call that storm that blew through, I mean, we were sitting at our kitchen table, I was trying to have a virtual meeting, and my internet kept going out. I just kind of stared out at one moment, and I was just like, that is the most sideways rain I've ever seen. You know? And I've seen some sideways rain. But it came through hard and fast. And there are some times in our lives where we just feel like we're standing in the middle of that. You know? And we're just getting hit by those little raindrops. And, and when raindrops come at you that hard and fast... Anybody here ridden a motorcycle and got caught in the rain on a motorcycle? That's the closest thing I could figure out because I wasn't going to step outside and test the experience, right? But, I mean, it's just like, it's just like little BBs, you know, or bee stings, whatever. You, I mean, you're just getting pelted by, I mean. And so sometimes we just feel like that in our lives, that we're just getting hammered and it just won't stop. But here's the reality. You're never alone. In, even in those moments, even in that situation. God's got, God's got you in, the, in those moments. And that's what Paul is saying to the Philippians. So that's why they could do what they were doing. Okay? Let's move on to the second thing. So here's, this, here's the second part of this. So the second part of this in verses 14 to 16 is Paul says, 
Hey, let's talk about let's talk about your attitude as well, though. Because he says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among. All right. All right. Little ones. Here we go. All right. Little people. Here we go. This is this is your this is your part right here. All right. He says this. He says in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I don't know about you, but we live in a world full of complainers. Yeah? Can I get a witness? Okay. And the Bible is full of complainers. I mean, just think about the Israelites on their journey. Okay? I mean, every day Moses woke up to somebody complaining about something. I can promise you that even this morning, some of you complain about something. In fact, there's probably some of you that in your minds right now, you're thinking, I just wish you'd get on with this, all right? Okay, I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad we got to sing a few songs, but dude, can you cut this short so we can get out of here, all right? I mean, I'm thinking that myself sometimes, okay? It's an epidemic. It's not a matter of if you're going to complain about something. It's a matter of when you're going to complain about something. Since we started this church 15 years ago, I've watched, and those of you guys that have been around, I mean, like if everybody, if everybody that had come to this church over the last 15 years had stayed, I mean, I don't know, we probably have five, six, seven hundred people. Uh, but people have come and gone. And some of those people that have gone have gone because they weren't happy about something. There was something that, that I didn't do right, or somebody else on the team didn't do right, or somebody in this room didn't do right. I just like I'm out. They complained and they left. But here's the deal: when the sin of complaining strikes, and yes, that's what I call it. When the sin of complaining strikes, we need to go to the gospel of joy. Because here's what the gospel of joy says to us: the gospel of joy says this to us: we. I'm going to personalize this. I am far better off than I deserve. When we lose sight of the gospel, we go to a dark place of complaining and murmuring. I love this illustration from John Newton. He says, suppose a man, he's going to New York to take possession of this very large estate. I mean, it's his. Signed, sealed, and delivered. It's his. And his carriage breaks down a mile before he gets to the city. So he's got to walk the last mile to get to this big estate that he's been given. What a fool we should think of him if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering out the remaining mile. My carriage is broken. My carriage is broken. Just let that settle in for a second. We have been given access to the creator of the universe. We've been given access to the glories of heaven someday. Better than we deserve. The Father has chosen us to be his kids, his children. He's pulled us into his family. And when the checkout line 
causes me to wait 10 seconds longer, I start grumbling? Really? Really? Or when my bride doesn't cook something the way I like it, or when I wake up in the morning and the, the low tire light comes out on my car, or when the humidity is 89%, or what, I mean, you fill in the blank with whatever the thing that causes you to grumble and complain. You know? I mean, really? We've been given the keys to the kingdom. We're a mile away. We need to remember that. And we need to come to the Father with a spirit of gratitude. Because here's the difference between children of God and the world. Okay, little people, here we go. Here's the difference between people who know Jesus and love Jesus and the world is that we have, an, we have this attitude of gratitude. We're thankful for where we are, who we are, what God has done for us. And guess what? When you live a life like that, in a sea of grumblers and complainers, what do you look like? You look like a really bright star. That's what you look like. Look at what Paul says. Do it all without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's the difference. And you know when it really makes a difference? It's one thing for me to shine really bright when everything is cooking just right. You know? When everything is going perfectly, as I see it should go, okay? It's one thing to shine bright then. It's quite honestly a completely different thing to shine bright when the world feels like, when my world and my circumstances feel like Thursday afternoon at 12.30. When life is just full of chaos, full of struggle, upside down, That's when we need to shine. And he says very clearly right here, verse 16, hold fast. Hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So I just want to say to you, hang in there. Cling to the Father. Cling to His Word. The other thing I want to remind us is that this is not a go-it-alone kind of deal. Paul's not writing to just one person. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. Paul's writing to a group of people. And most likely, this whole, this whole letter that Paul wrote got passed around to other, to other churches. So they were looking at this as a collective thing. Okay? Um, I was talking to some guys the other day, and we were talking about the difference between being a single stock of corn. I mean, can you imagine on Thursday? Can you imagine just being a single stock of corn out in the field by yourself? How, how long are you going to hang in there? 
you know? I'd ask our resident farmer, but he's hanging with the kids right now. So, um, you know, that single stock of corn, it's, it's, it's going over with like a two mile an hour wind. But if, but if, you're, if you're one stock in the midst of a thousand stocks and that wind comes through, you know which stocks get blown over? The ones that are kind of around the edge. But if you're kind of in the middle of all that, I mean, it would take a really significant wind for that whole thing to blow over. And then guess what? After that wind is gone, um, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, but those stocks eventually kind of bounce back up together. It's a collective thing, folks. We're doing this collectively. That's why it's important for us to be around each other in our Jesus family. To not just show up on Sunday morning, do our thing, and go home. But to be in community with each other. To do in life together. Here's the last thing I want to give you in this part. And then I want to share two quick examples. The last thing Paul says is this. In verses um, 17 and 18. Rejoice in your sacrificing. Rejoice in the sacrifice. Look what he says in verses 17 and 18. He says, even... If I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon a sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul was in a tough place. He was writing this from a prison cell. We've talked about that. You've heard me say that. You've heard Belate say that last week. He was in a bad spot. He's saying to his friends, you know what? I may never see you again. I'm, 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 I'm literally being poured out physically. This, these, these may be my last days. But in that moment, in the moment of that prison cell, not knowing whether I'm going to live or die, what does he say? I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I know today some of you guys are in some tough places. Whether it's some short-term things like having to deal with what we've dealt with this week. For some of you, it may be some long-term stuff, whether it's physical, whether it's work, whether it's relational, whether it's loss. You may feel kind of like Paul is right now, just kind of being poured out. Now, Paul's talking about doing it for the sake of the gospel. So what's it look like for us to, even in the midst of Sacrificing for the sake of the gospel. What does he say? He says, I rejoice. I rejoice because I get to see you. I get to see you do the same thing. I want you to rejoice and be glad with me. I hope that you'll recognize and see that you can rejoice and be glad because of what I said to you earlier. You're not alone in this. The Father's with you. Two quick things, and then we're going to wrap up. The rest of the passage, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I just, this is kind of homework for you guys. The rest of the passage, here's what Paul does. After he says all of this, all of a sudden he goes, oh, by the way, hey, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. And Epaphroditus, you know, I know you're concerned about him, and he almost died, and I'm sending him back to you. This may feel kind of weird that it's right there. And a lot of times you'll see these things at the end of letters. But I think there's two reasons why this is right here for us in this moment and for the Philippians right here in this moment. One is this. This is Paul's Facebook post. Okay. Timothy's doing good. I'm hanging on to it for a few minutes. I'm going to send him back to you. Epaphroditus, 
yeah, he was sick, he almost died, he's okay, he's coming back. Take care of him well when he comes back. So he's giving them a quick little update. That's the only way he had, that's the only way they could do it back then, right? Pre-cell phone days. Alright? Say, alright? Pre-Facebook days. Other kind of community. So that's what they did. But I think the other reason that Paul put it here instead of at the end of the letter is that Paul's saying to us, saying to his friends in Philippi, all that stuff that we just that I just talked about with you, Timothy's doing that well. And Epaphroditus is doing that well. Look at those two men and mimic and mimic them. Use them as your example. I mean, just, just look real quickly at what he says about Timothy. He's humble, he loves Jesus, and he loves others. So here's my question to you this morning. Are you that kind of a person? And are you following those kind of people? Because that's what Paul's saying here now. Because why did Paul say Timothy was a great friend? Because he loved Christ. He put the needs of others before himself. He was his humble dude. What did he say about Epaphroditus? He called him a brother. This guy's, this guy's family. He's a co-laborer. Even though he wasn't the upfront preacher guy, he was the behind the scenes, just take care and all that kind of stuff. I mean, basically the church sent money through him to Paul to take care of Paul. And somewhere along the way, Epaphroditus got sick. His home church back in Philippi found out about it. As he's coming to Paul, he gets to Paul and he almost dies when he's there. Um, by God's grace, he doesn't. He's just, this, he's just this average dude behind the scenes doing the, doing the thing that the church called him to do. The other thing Paul calls him is he calls him a soldier. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago? This is a guy that had Paul's back. He was a messenger. He brought good news to Paul and he ministered to Paul. And what a, what a cool description. I hope that somebody describes me that way someday. I'm a brother... I'm a co-laborer. I'm a soldier in the, in, in, in the thick of it with them. I'm a messenger and I'm a minister. And what a cool thing to be called. So here's the deal. Is we're going to wrap up this morning. As we go back to that opening idea. Are you living your life this way? Because you recognize... You recognize who you are and whose you are. Because if you recognize those two things, who you are in Christ and whose you are, that you belong to Him, you can shine like a bright star. This is not a bootstrap thing. This is the gospel at work in you. Brady's going to come and pray over us. We're going to sing one more song um, as we just continue to worship before we head out. But if you need somebody to pray for you uh, right now, if there's something going on in your life that you just need to be prayed for, um, Brady will be down here. Somebody close to you, pray with you. Um, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have that kind of relationship, if you don't know whose you are, the Bible makes it very clear that you need to cry out for God to save you.